Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Faith. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. Um, if you're here in person or worshiping with us online today for our Good Friday service, I welcome you. It's so good to have you as we join together in really one of the most holy of days of our Christian calendar as we remember the perfect and sinless Son of God who laid down His life for us. You know, I look around the world and I, sometimes I'm, I guess I'm never really surprised, but I'm really surprised. The capacity for evil among human beings um, to hurt each other, uh, to kill each other. And then I look in the mirror and at the same time, I'm, I'm horrified at the capacity for my own evil and wickedness. And so today we come together in faith, recognizing that it is our own sin, not just others' sins, but our own, that put Jesus on the cross. And it is for us and for our sins that he sacrificed himself and paid the price for us. As we look at this Friday of Holy Week, it really is a horrifying day because our Lord was brutally murdered on a cross. And yet we call it Good Friday because that horrifying moment of his death won for us our salvation, which is so very good. So welcome you to our Good Friday service today as we join together in praising our Lord and commemorating that sacrifice of our Savior. I invite you now to turn in your worship folders as we join in singing the old rugged cross.
day we behold God's Son, stricken by God, smitten and afflicted for our sins. We know that it is our guilt that has done this to him. But the crucifixion is no defeat. By it, the Father glorifies himself and his Son. The family of man is reconciled to God. Our King has triumphed over death. Almighty God, help us on this most holy day to see our Savior's sufferings, to hear his gracious words, to know his saving love, to watch and pray through all his holy agony, and to emerge at length at the bright dawn of his everlasting victory. In the crucified Savior's name we pray. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicated the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Verse 
Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. We now sing, Oh, Dearest Jesus. This is found in Lutheran Service Book 439. Oh, dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken that such sharp sentence should be thee be spoken? Of what great crime hast thou to make confession? What dark transgression?
So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home.
later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Our next hymn is titled, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch's treasure.
Oh, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, the crucified Christ. Well, friends, as we take a time to meditate on the powerful scriptures that we have just heard, the word that tells us about the greatest event in human history, the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I want to focus on three crosses. I just love our sanctuary, how when you look here to the front, you, of course, see Jesus' cross front and center, but the shadow of the two crosses behind. There were three crosses on the hill that day, weren't there? And as we look at these three crosses, we learn so much about ourselves. We learn so much about our Savior, and we learn so much about our world. And as we look at these three crosses today, if you want to pull out the outline that you have in your service, I want to focus on these words that Jesus spoke to those thieves there on the cross. Well, to one of them. He said to the thief on the right, today you will be with me in paradise. So as we look at these three crosses, we see there are, there are some really important lessons here that we learn. We learn, first of all, that no human works were possible for that dying thief to perform in order to make him acceptable to God. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to accomplish anything. His past, whatever he had done, didn't matter. What mattered was that moment and the promise that Jesus made to that dying criminal. Second, we're going to learn through these three crosses that there is no such thing as universal salvation. That Jesus loves all, but not all are saved because you can choose to reject the gracious gift that Jesus gave for us on the cross. And third, the event of these three crosses disproves the doctrine of purgatory the crazy idea that a person goes somewhere after death to experience some sort of flaming punishment for their sins. No, Jesus said to that thief, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So let's unpack these truths as we look at these three crosses, shall we? And we look first to the cross on the left. And there we see a man who died in his sins because of his rebellion. There were two sinners on the crosses that day, and the one on the left asked Jesus to save him from that terrible moment of suffering. I printed this in your outline. In Luke chapter 23, that criminal called out, who hung, he said, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, saying, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. See, this criminal, all he cared about was being saved. It's a sad request, isn't it? Because it's apparent that this thief was only interested in his temporal relief of his current bitter circumstances. He seemed to measure everything by the immediate. And I think this has probably been his problem all of his life. He looked at life from the perspective of getting what he wanted. That's why he was a thief. He just took whatever he wanted. That was what was most important, getting his needs met. He thought little of eternity 
and greatly about the momentary. You know, I think that's just a state of many people in our world today, isn't it? Our world is so immediate satisfaction, so important to have immediate gratification these days. Our world asks in about every decision, with, thinks through it with these words, what's in it for me? What will I get out of this? How will this make me happy? How will this relieve my suffering and pain? You see, such an attitude of just getting things for self was the attitude that kept the thief on the left away from Jesus and kept him from understanding his plight and kept him from seeing Jesus who he really was and kept him from forgiveness. That thief on the left reveals, I think, that he was not capable of thinking for himself. He was influenced by others so much that he couldn't see reality staring him in the face. He was just influenced by the crowd, by the masses. If you listen to the story of Jesus in his crucifixion, you hear that often the crowd was shouting out to Jesus, if you're the Christ, save yourself, come down from the cross. And these are the exact words that this thief parrots, repeats while he's on the cross. He is only saying what he has already heard. He goes along with the crowd. He shouts out loud with the crowd. He believes what the crowd believes, not the truth that is there in front of him. And again, sadly, people in our world are just like that lost thief. We listen to the crowd. We go with public opinion. We take the easy way out. We don't really care to listen to truth or understand what God's really telling us. But instead, we follow the words, we parrot the morals and values, and we swallow the false teachings that the world offers to each and every one of us, just like the thief on the left. That poor, lost, unbelieving thief. Our poor, lost, unbelieving world and our poor, lost, unbelieving selves. We are like that thief on the left. But thankfully, there is another appeal coming from the thief on the right side of Jesus. It's really interesting the journey that this thief on the right takes. In Matthew 27, verse 44, I printed this in your outline, right? We read that the thieves plural, mocked Jesus. Not just one, but both of them. So this thief on the right also mocked Jesus. Maybe he went along with the words of the thief on the left. Maybe he went along with the crowd that was shouting in front of him. Perhaps that's why he ended up on the cross in the first place, because he lived his life being influenced by the wrong crowd. He listened to the wrong voices. He often found himself falling in with the bad crowd, which got him into so much trouble. But then we hear that something wonderful happened to the thief on the right side of Jesus. Experiencing Jesus, seeing all that was going around and along with the crucifixion, and seeing how Jesus dealt with it all and hearing the words of Jesus, something changed inside of that that thief's heart. Faith was born in his heart. 
right there on the cross beside Jesus, he began to see the Lord in a different light. And he began to believe there was something different about the man on the middle cross. He began to believe and see him as his Lord and Savior. Follow along with me as we think through this a little bit, right? Imagine what it must have been for that thief on the right the night before he died on the cross, knowing that the next morning he would be crucified. How do you think he slept? I bet he was worried. I bet he had nightmares. I don't know if he slept at all, fearful of the pain, fearful of the torture, but maybe even fearful about what would happen to him after he died, wondering about what happened, what would happen to a man like him after death took him. And then morning came, and he was marched out of his cell toward Golgotha, and as he did, his heart must have pounded within his chest as he likely heard the, the drum reverberating in his ears, and fear gripped his mind. And as he made his way closer to the place of death, he must have heard the crowd speaking and yelling to Jesus. When the Lord went up to Calvary, you remember, the women wept for Jesus. They cried for him. And don't you wonder if the thief thought to himself, isn't anyone going to cry for me? Does anybody care about me at all? Perhaps he'd lived such a life of crime that no one cared for him, that he was going to die alone. Perhaps no family member even showed up at this hour of his death, all alone, all alone to die. And then, just then, he hears Jesus say to the women who were weeping, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. What did he mean? The thief must have wondered what kind of man could be facing such a horrible death and still have concern for others rather than himself. Perhaps this was the first moment when he began to see Jesus in a different way, in a special way. And then, when Jesus was lifted up and crucified on the cross, that thief must have observed the Lord speaking no words of cursing, no reviling, no disdain toward his crucifiers. He surely heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, the very ones who are crucifying me. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In almost every case, the dying cursed their tormentors. But Jesus was silent, like a lamb before the shearers. This could not have gone unnoticed by that thief. And again, something begins to change in his heart. Faith begins to rise up in his heart, and he begins to realize that this Jesus is no ordinary man. He had a spark of faith that was born in his heart, and he began to believe in Jesus right then and right there. And then... Listen to his words as he speaks to the other thief on the cross. Again, I printed this in your outline. He says to him, don't you fear God? Fear. Suddenly, this thief has a reverence of fear of God that has been established in his heart that wasn't there before. Don't you fear God, he says, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. 
He now has an understanding of the justice of his judgment. Isn't it amazing how faith in Christ opens the heart to the truth of who we are? And then he admits that he is a sinner. He admitted that he was getting what he deserved. But most importantly, the thief believed that Jesus, the man in the middle, was sinless. That he had not deserved punishment for any crime. He stated that Jesus had done nothing amiss. Do you see what's happened to this thief on the cross? Do you see his journey from crime and sin and unbelief to faith and trust and a confession of his sins and a confession of the sinless Son of God. It's amazing, isn't it? And that leads to this amazing faith-filled plea. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. It's personal, it's passionate, and it's public. So as we look at these three crosses, do you see the amazing contrast between the thief on the left, who in rebellion rejects and curses Jesus, and the thief on the right, who by faith came to know and believe and trust in him, cries out for mercy. And that leads us to the best cross of all, the cross in the middle. You might want to turn your outline to the other side. What was the response of our Savior? He responds with redemption. I think it's fascinating that Jesus never speaks to the man on the left. The thief on the left was asking for a, a temporal, physical salvation, but Jesus wasn't there for that. He came to the cross for an eternal, spiritual salvation. And so he answers the faith-filled plea of the man on the cross on the right. And what did he say? I printed those beautiful words for you on your outline. He says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Look at these words. We see, first of all, the promise of Christ. I tell you the truth. Maybe some of you King James lovers remember, verily I saith unto thee, right? I tell you the truth. What Jesus is about to say is no kidding. It's no doubt. It's not a maybe or a question mark. It's not a if you will do something first. It's not if you're good enough. It is a promise. I tell you the truth, he says. And then comes the provision the provision of Christ. Today, the provision of salvation, the provision of forgiveness, the provision of eternal life comes to this man on the spot. On the spot, he is given the gift of eternal life, which leads to the presence with Christ. Do you know, as I was writing this sermon, I, I had a revelation in these words that I had never realized before. For me, these words, you will be with me in paradise, has always been an opportunity for me to focus on paradise, the good news that he'll spend eternity in heaven. And I've missed the real point of this. Jesus said, truly, I say to you today, you will be 
with me in paradise. You see, the miracle of eternal life is not heaven. It's not the joys and the glories of heaven. The miracle of eternal life is being with Jesus, seeing Jesus in the flesh, in all of his glory, and being able to be with him there for all eternity. Heaven is going to be a beautiful place. But no matter how beautiful the jewels of that city are, Jesus will outshine them all. Imagine. Being with Jesus for all eternity. This is the promise, the provision, and the presence that Jesus gives to the man on the right. So let's conclude this time of thinking about the three crosses by thinking about this. Wouldn't you love to meet the man on the right? I can't wait to get to heaven and see that guy. I can't wait to say to him, how'd that all work out for you? I mean, here you are in heaven, and you never even went to a Bible study. Here you are in heaven, and you never memorized Luther's small catechism. Here you are in heaven, and you don't even know anything about church membership. How did you get here? And I can imagine an angel coming up and saying, yeah, what in the world are you doing here? Do you know anything about the doctrine of justification by grace through faith? I can hear that guy saying, nope. <laughs> well, what about Scripture? Do you believe in the inspired and errant, infallible Word of God? And I can imagine him saying, never heard of it. And the angel then saying, well, why are you here? And I think the man's reply would be this. Because the man in the middle cross said I could come. That's what it's all about, friends. You and I will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven because the man in the middle cross said we could come. I love that the guy didn't even know his name. He didn't know anything. All he knew was the man in the middle cross loved him and the man in the little middle cross died for him and the man in the little middle cross said that he could come. And the man in the middle cross says the same to you and me today. You can come because I love you. You can come because I died for you. You can come and be with me forever. And that, friends, is the joy and the good news and why we call this day Good Friday. God bless you. As the man in the middle cross loves you, dies for you, and prepares a place for you with him in heaven forever. Amen. Well, friends, let's say thank you to the man in the middle cross for all that he has done for us and all that he has given us. One way we do that is through our offerings. So as the ushers come forward now, I want to thank you for your giving. Another way we say thank you is by how we live our lives by giving him all the glory and honor and praise and telling the world the good news of forgiveness that Jesus won for all of us. So thank you for your giving, and thank you for being a part of the mission of sharing Jesus with our world. Our offering hymn today is titled, What Wondrous Love Is This? Found in Lutheran Service Book 543. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? 
What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the whole world. 
Oh, come, let us worship him. invite you to stand as you're able. Thus says the Lord, what have I done to you, O my people, and wherein have I offended you? Answer me, for I have raised you up out of the prison house of sin and death, and you have delivered up your Redeemer to be scourged. For I have redeemed you from the house of bondage, and you have nailed your Savior to the cross. O my people, holy Lord God, holy and mighty God, holy and most merciful Redeemer, God eternal, leave us not to bitter death. O Lord, have mercy. Thus says the Lord, what have I done to you, O my people, and wherein have I offended you? Answer me, for I have conquered all your foes, and you have given me over and delivered me to those who persecute me. For I have fed you with my word and refreshed you with living water, and you have given me gall and vinegar to drink. O my people, holy Lord God, holy and mighty God, holy and most merciful Redeemer, God eternal. Allow us not to lose hope in the face of death and hell. O Lord, have mercy. Thus says the Lord, What have I done to you, O my people, and wherein have I offended you? Answer me. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? My people, is this how you thank your God? O my people, Holy Lord God, holy and mighty God, holy and most merciful Redeemer, God eternal, keep us steadfast in true faith. O Lord, have mercy. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. By your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. We join together as our Lord taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We close with the hymn, O Perfect Life of Love, found in Lutheran Service Book 452. O perfect life of love, all, all is finished now. All that he left is thrown above to do for us below. <laughs> 